Hey y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Okay. I am so excited, and I feel like I say that for every episode, but I am. Like, I love getting to talk to each and every um, individual that I have on the show as a guest, but like I said, very excited to sit down with Amanda today. Um, Amanda is a Washington native who has found herself on a cattle ranch in Iowa where she farms and ranches with her husband uh, on their family farm. And then they also have a beef business called Grandview, Grandview Beef. Sorry, that's hard to say in a row. Um, but like I said, so excited to have Amanda on today. And if you would not mind telling us a little bit about yourself uh, to kind of get things rolling. Sure, well, glad to be here. Uh, so I guess I should start by just saying that I grew up with no agriculture background or experience at all. So um, I grew up in Washington State, like Ali said, and I was very interested in the sports industry. Um, it's not like I grew up in a big metropolitan area. I did grow up in a small town, but I just always had these dreams that I was going to go work for the Seattle Seahawks organization, big football fan. And as luck would have it, when I graduated from college, I went to Washington State University, so go Cougs. Um, <laughs> when I graduated from college, I got an internship at the Seattle Seahawks. So I was like, yeah, I made it. <laughs> and then everything changed because <laughs> there also happened to be an intern who was visiting from Iowa State University. And he was a farm boy named Newt Severson. So when I met Newt, we were both working at the Seahawks and we were both really figuring out where we wanted our life to go. Um, Newt had also thought he wanted to live in a city, work for a big sports organization, but felt like the farm was calling him back home. He really, and he felt like God was telling him to go there. Um, he was going to farmer's markets all over the Seattle area and seeing beef sell for crazy prices. So his mind was spinning about how he could run some sort of business at home. Uh, for me, I was realizing I was working a lot of hours. I was getting paid next to nothing. Uh, it's a very fast paced industry and it's very hard to make it to the top. So I was kind of realizing that maybe football wasn't right for me. Um, that's not saying I thought Iowa was right for me, <laughs> but I just decided that maybe football wasn't. Football so, wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Newt moved back to, uh, Iowa and we just weren't sure if that was going to work out for us. So I actually stayed in Washington, but I firmly believe in looking for the doors that God opens or closes. And I mean, we talked about that a lot at Rural Rooted, mm -hmm. um, so we both went to Rural Rooted about God whispers. So, yes. Um, he shut the Seahawks door for me and he opened a door for a different job. And I, I thought it was based in Florida, but the company called me and told me, no, actually this is a temp job based in Iowa. <laughs> so if that's not God slapping you across the face, tell right. me what to do. So I moved to Iowa, um, to take that job is what I convinced myself. I really moved to Iowa for the farm boy. Um, <laughs> And pretty quickly realized, yes, this is where I need to be. Um, Newt and I jumped headfirst into trying to start this beef business that he was interested in. I have a big passion for marketing and sharing stories. And so I fit naturally into that and trying to sell that. So we launched a beef business. After we launched the beef business, we got married. So 
Maybe we should have reversed the timeline on that. <laughs> we went into debt before we got married. Before you got married. Um, <laughs> and yeah, ever since then living here in Iowa and loving life and the beef business has really taken off. Yeah. And so I think y'all's story is, first of all, the cutest. And it's just like, it's so cool that how things work out. And it's just another testament to when you may have a plan, but if that doesn't line up with God's plan, then sorry, sister, you're on your own. You better buckle up. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you had, you know, the dream job, the dream opportunity, and then you got thrown for a loop and this is now you're on a farm in Iowa. I mean, tell us about that. Tell us about like, I'm sure that was kind of an inner struggle for you a little bit to feel like this is what I wanted. Why doesn't it, why doesn't it feel fulfilling? It was, yeah. I'm a very type A person. I, and I, I plan out my life. I'm very organized. I don't take risks. And so for me to have this plan of where my life was going and have it go the complete opposite direction was really difficult. And um, I think the, the hardest part of it is that I'm a very moldable person in that I kind of pick up what other people are feeling or asking for around me. And so that direction of my life that I was headed in was just what made sense to everybody else. And then when I made the switch to Iowa, that made sense to no one. And it was really hard. Um, I lost friendships and I lost connections with people because they couldn't understand why I would do that. And they felt like I was making a poor decision. Um, so initially it was really hard to make that move. And I'll say my first six months in Iowa were not probably the prettiest. <laughs> um, but, but then I would step out on the farm and I would just feel this sense of peace that I have never felt anywhere in my life. And I know that sounds like really fairy tale dreamish, but I truly mean it that I found this happy place on a farm and I was not expecting it at all. And it was something I knew nothing about. And so for me, the challenge of learning an entirely new industry and way of life and like, I mean, this sounds stupid, but I, I don't know how to drive a stick shift. And for me to have to try and learn how to drive a stick shift is exciting and different and something I never thought I'd learn how to do. So yeah. um, it just has opened up this whole new world for me that I never could have expected. Right. And the fact that those things, which I'm sure, I mean, to you, I mean, that's a big, well, to me, because I can't drive stick shift, which I should know how to do that. But <laughs> um, those kind of new challenges that maybe someone who was born and raised in agriculture, and that's just kind of their second nature, to kind of be able to relearn things and re-see things through your eyes, I'm sure has been a very unique perspective too for um, your family now in Iowa. Yes, I think, so initially when we were first starting off with the beef business, especially, my husband Newt would say, we don't need to share that information, that's common knowledge. And I did not think that information was common knowledge. Right. And so, it's been really interesting to have both of us together building a business because he makes a lot of assumptions and rightfully so about the agriculture industry because he's been in it forever and he knows it like the back of his hand and he understands it. But I didn't understand everything. And so I ask a lot of what might sound like stupid questions, but those questions are important because that's the question the consumer is gonna ask. So it's been a really good balance of us learning 
maybe what assumptions we're making and how we can make it as clear as day to a customer that knows nothing about agriculture at all. Yeah, I think that perspective that you have is really unique. And like you just said, going to be so helpful from a consumer standpoint for you guys, obviously, to tell your story as your family and the business that you're creating and um, doing together, but also why it's important for a consumer to buy the product as well. So I think that's really unique. And I think, so it goes really well on the beef consumer facing side. I will say on the farm, you know, it's hard because I want to jump in and I want to be helpful on tasks, but I have to be really honest about what I am capable of doing and what I'm not. And I need to ask to learn and I need somebody to stop and walk me through the process. And, and like you said, that can be really beneficial for the people walking me through the process because they have to learn how to train somebody but it can also be really frustrating if they're trying to get something done and I can't figure out how to open that particular gate or right. how to fix that piece of fence or something. So right. which takes in a lot turn, of patience from that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which in turn is frustrating on your side, like you just said, but then it's almost like, well, I don't want to bug anybody, but I really want to know, but like, how do I do this without having to go somewhere else? It's, it's, it must be a battle to where you're constantly weighing, like, how do I approach this? Yes, I have to look for the moments in time where it's not a high stress situation. So I actually am very proud to say I've been learning how to drive the stick shift so that I can drive the farm equipment, but I've been doing it during the nights where we don't have anything else going on and I don't need to go get somewhere for the business. Right. Which again, you know, living on a ranch and a farm and everything are few and far between. So, um, I, I uh, applaud you on, on finding those moments. <laughs> Thanks. Just don't- so I would like to thank our sponsor, Hooked AF. Anna has been a huge supporter of me and Ag Chicks, um, but I would like to let you know about some of the exciting things that she has going on. The first is her app, Ranch Hand, Your Ranch in Your Hand. This is an app that she has developed and is now launching, um, and it will take your ranch management system to the next level and really just make any everything more efficient. The next thing is if you are a business owner and would like to really refine the way you do things and take your level um, a business up a notch, then you need to check out her business retreats. You can connect with Anna on Instagram or you can um, connect with her through her website, which will be in the show notes. Thank you, Anna, again for all your support. On open air and all that kind of stuff. So for you, coming from a non-agricultural background to say that, what has that kind of experience been like for you? I think it grounds me. I, I feel like I have all these problems in the world, right? And I'm trying to get all this stuff done, especially staring at a computer sometimes. And then I walk out there and I see the cattle and I realize they are depending on me. <laughs> They are depending on us to feed them. They're depending on us to care for them, to provide them a good environment, to treat them well. And it just reminds me that there's bigger problems in this life than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that my purpose is not a perfect color-coded spreadsheet. My purpose is to steward these animals that I'm looking at and the ground that they're standing on. And, and the more that I learned about agriculture when I first moved here, the more I realized how amazing this industry is and how complicated it is. Uh, I was the person, and I'm embarrassed to say it now, but I was totally the person 
that would say something along the lines of, oh, you just throw the seed in the ground and you watch it grow. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. And for me to now realize that it's one of the most complicated business models in the entire world and farmers have the hardest job. Yeah. I think it just, it, it reminds me of what my purpose is and how important it is that I am raising food for other people and I have a responsibility to do it right. So, so there's that piece of it. And then there's just the beauty of it, I think, <laughs> which I'll never tire of. There's just nothing more beautiful than being in complete peace with, you can't even see power lines and you look out and there's these beautiful Hereford cattle hey, I'm <laughs> on this landscape. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just the beauty of it. It's so peaceful. Maybe not as peaceful in the dead of winter, but <laughs> yeah, that could probably not so beautiful at that point, but Hey, snow can be cool sometimes too. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and even in the dead of winter, you can go out and see the cattle and just watching them and interacting with them. And yeah, it's, it's so peaceful. Cattle are the best listeners. <laughs> they really are. They really are. Sometimes I wish they could tell us what the heck is wrong with them, but yeah, they yeah. Really <laughs> not so great at communicating, but yeah. they do listen. <laughs> yeah, they, great listeners, not great communicators. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for you guys being able to raise your family now in that environment, um, what is, what is that like? And how has that kind of changed your perspective on things as well? Yeah, um, I never wanted kids actually. <laughs> and Newt was very much excited for kids. And so we, we balanced each other out in that way and we decided to go for it. And we had a son a year ago in the middle of COVID, COVID <laughs> baby. His name's Harbor. And it first of all, it's the most amazing thing in the world. I can't believe I at one point didn't want to do it because oh, there's just no love like that if you have for a child. Um, but also to watch the farm through his eyes, I feel like changes it all over again for me. It just adds this, uh, another layer to it all of love and understanding of how important agriculture is, because when you see his excitement of everything on the farm, it's just so fun. And it adds to that responsibility. You know, I have to care for those animals. I have to care for that land because I want to give him that opportunity to do the same if he wants to. I'm not going to force him to, but if we're not good stewards, that land's not going to be there for him to have his experiences on in the future. Yeah. And that's an important thing I think to bring up because a lot of people maybe think about agriculture as right here, right now, but it's something that is a generational industry to where you have to maintain it. Otherwise it's not going to be there for your kids or the next generation. And so when people say that agriculturalists don't care about the land, it is, couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, that's why I tell everybody when they say that like, the land is their biggest asset mm -hmm. and it's, it's their retirement. It's the only thing they have to hand down to their family. They want to care for that land more than anything. And, and we're so grateful because Newt's parents, we are on a century family farm. So Newt's parents have been able to keep this operation in the family and it's their stewardship that enabled us our opportunities. Right. And, and we want to make sure that we pass that down in the future. Right. But I'm sure that comes with a little bit of pressure too, right? To maintain it all as well. 
Yes, and I think, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting much more confident at the aspect of maintaining it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what keeps me up at night now and the pressure comes from how to expand it. Because we are seeing these small family farms go away. Mm-hmm. And, and I do feel confident enough in our business model and our family that that farm is going to stay. But how can we actually expand the land and expand the operation so that there's more even with the land prices today and all the competition around us? That's the part where I'm feeling the pressure right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something a lot of people are feeling just (laughs) the society of and the the climate of everything that we're in right now is just it's a little scary it is it really is and and I am constantly reminded that not everybody understands how it's all affecting agriculture because I'm talking to family and friends back in Washington who are experiencing things much differently and Mm -hmm. so I'm constantly reminded that I need to make sure I'm I'm speaking and sharing in such a way that I'm appealing to not just the people here in Iowa and in agriculture that know we could be in trouble, but everybody. Right. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge for the industry across the board, at least in my opinion, is being able to, we do a really great job of talking to each other, but not a great job of talking to the outside, which mm-hmm. it's hard because how do you, how do you bridge that gap? I don't know if there's a a recipe to success on that. It is so hard. And what I've been trying to focus on a lot lately is being proactive in thinking about what we can share and what we can do rather than seeing that headline of some restaurant taking away meat and being really angry and wanting to respond to that. I think, I think that that's important. We have to respond, but I want to catch it before it happens. And I know that we're probably multiple years away from that or maybe even a decade. But I, I think our goal as, as an industry across the board is that we can proactively share our story so that we don't even have those types of situations happening anymore. Right. Uh-huh. Yes, 100%. And since you just brought that up as far as all of this meatless craziness, <laughs> being in a beef business, <laughs> what has been your guys' approach to that and kind of maybe some ways you've changed your your business model for it maybe or maybe not so uh we we have to bite our tongue (laughs) a lot because we do want to be respectful that everybody has the right to choose what type of food they want to eat and how they want to eat it it is a personal choice so we believe in that we believe that they can choose whatever they want but we want to make sure that they're as informed as possible in facts before they make that choice and that they're not reading poor research. So for us, it's really been about uh, arming ourselves with really good, strong research and uh, resources that we know we can direct people to so that if they're having questions about how their meat consumption is affecting the environment or, well, should I encourage my kid to do Meatless Monday so that they look like they're uh, having an impact on the earth? When they come to us with those questions, we want to say that's a totally valid question because we're sure that you're reading this rhetoric over here. But let us direct you to some really good research that shows why cattle are actually great for the environment. (laughs) So um, we're just really trying to be open to having the conversation with people, directing them to the good resources, and then ultimately raising a really good quality product where we're having a low environmental footprint so that we can continue to attract customers to our product. 
Yep, absolutely. It kind of goes back to the whole facts over fear thing um, mm -hmm. that's kind of being spread right now on social media, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, it, and I was that, I was that person. I mean, yeah. I, I was the person that walked into the grocery store in Washington and bought the non-GMO package because somebody told me it was healthier, right. but I had no idea what a GMO was. And I had no idea that it didn't impact the health of the food at all. So I just, I really want to change that for those consumers that are walking into the grocery store today. Yeah. And I think because you have that unique perspective on <laughs> your old life of what you used to think, I think that makes you better able to communicate with people who think that. And it's not, I think sometimes we get angry that they think that, but at the same time, what are we doing to tell them that that's not correct, you know? So again, I think it goes back to all of the, how do we better tell agriculture story? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I learn a lot. I mean, from interacting with people like you and, and with others that I follow, especially on Instagram, I'm, I learned so much about agriculture that I still didn't know. And then I can take that and share it with others as well. So it's hugely important to have those people out there in agriculture, sharing the information to the agriculture audience. Cause I read that. And then I, I try and take it and share it with that who I picture as my mom. I always try and talk like I'm sharing it with my mom. <laughs> your ideal uh, client, right? Or your ideal. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But okay, I wanna talk a little bit. I know we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. So this is gonna be great, but let's talk about your business. Cause I wanna highlight that. And I want everyone to really understand what Grandview Beef is about. So give it to me. What's, what are you guys doing? I know you're grass fed. So what does that mean for your operation? Yes. So we're grass fed, grass finished. Okay. So uh, for us, that means no grain of any type. Um, our process on the animal side is we buy all our steer calves from Newt, my husband's parents. So they have a cow calf operation. It's all Hereford and we buy the steer calves in the fall after they've been weaned from the mothers. And then we keep them for another two years. So um, it takes for, well, not for a full two years, but it, it takes 24 to 30 months for us to get a grass-fed animal to the same weight that a corn-fed animal is. So they're on our operation for a while. We rotationally graze them. We do a paddock system. Um, we're really focused on trying to maximize the amount of land we have for feed value because we don't have much of it. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's the operational side of it, raising them. And then we direct market it to consumers. So we sell it at farmer's markets. We sell it online and ship it to the Midwest. We sell it at health food stores. Um, but we do really focus on that Midwest footprint. We're passionate about the fact that there are so many local producers that are raising wonderful products across the country. And it doesn't make sense for us to ship our beef to Washington state. It, it makes a lot more sense for us to recommend another awesome producer in Washington state that can do that. So, right. so that's our, our business model there. Um, and the ultimate goal is to steward God's cattle and soil to the best of our ability so that our son has the same opportunity. I think the fact that you guys are, I don't know, I just, something about family businesses, which again, is the majority of agricultural businesses, right? Um, but it's just something that I think is just so unique, so special, and is really going to be something that continues 
um, the, the spread of agriculture, the, the message of agriculture. So um, thank you for doing what you do. I know it, some days it's not easy, but um, I know I personally appreciate it. And I'm sure that there are lots of happy customers out there who also appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. I, we feel pretty honored that people trust us to raise their food and we take that responsibility very seriously. So it's very rewarding when you get to see somebody enjoying your product. And as far as products go, are there certain cuts that you guys do? Do you kind of do custom orders or how does that work? We do everything. So um, we take quite a few of our animals, the main percentage to a processing plant in Minnesota because it needs to be USDA inspected. Um, And we process that into individual cuts. So ground beef, roast steaks. Uh, we sell a lot of offal, so liver, heart, tongue, huge market for that in grass fed. Um, and then we also do beef shares for local customers, quarters, heads, and holes. And the, the grocery stores and the restaurants tend to buy either ground beef or they're buying whole loins that they're using for steaks and specials. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Very cool. Well, you guys seem to have a very diverse um, kind of portfolio is not the right word when it comes to beef, but the fact that you have lots of different avenues that you can uh, share your product with is awesome. It's important. That was a, it's a COVID learning, right? That if you rely on one market too heavily, you can be exposed. And so we want to make sure that we have our product in multiple different areas so that we're not too exposed on one side. Yeah. Yeah, if COVID taught us anything, right? It's, uh, I feel like the word of 2020 was pivot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But changing roles again, or shifting gears a little bit here. If you were to tell somebody who, like you, did not have an agricultural background, but was wanting to get involved or wanting to even just learn, how, what would you tell them? I would say to go visit a farm. That would be my number one recommendation and and we do tell our customers that our farm is open and they can come visit because because of that reason Mm -hmm. um i fell in love with agriculture and i finally understood how difficult it was the first time i visited newt's farm and it only took once of one visit for me to understand how difficult it was and how complicated the industry was so I just think if we can get somebody to set their boots on the ground on a farm for a couple hours, we can change the future of how they view food and how they look for education and understanding about what's going into their bodies. So number one recommendation, go visit a farm. If you want to get involved in agriculture, go visit a ton of different farms so that you can find out what you love because it may not be beef. <laughs> right. No, that's important. And that's what sometimes people don't fit into our box. So then we kind of disregard them, but that's an important, important point too. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I've absolutely loved chatting with you and learning more about um, your operation and you and your story. Um, Are you ready for our rapid fire questions? I'm ready for rapid fire. Okay. (laughs) First question, what is your favorite city in the United States? Mm -hmm. City. Mm -hmm. I guess I say Seattle. Seattle. Just because I don't, 
I don't go to cities. I don't like cities. So I guess, I guess I'd say Seattle cause I, I spent time there and it's a super fun place to visit. I just wouldn't ever want to live there again. Yes. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. It is. It's very, it's definitely like you have to go there once type situation, mm-hmm. but it, it's beautiful and so much to see. Yes. What is the best fried food in your opinion? Fried pickles. Fried, oh yeah. Uh-huh. hundred percent. No doubt. And never had those until I moved to Iowa. Iowa. Um, Worth moving to Iowa alone for the fried pickles. <laughs> and then the last question is, who inspires you? Mm, my grandpa. So um, my grandpa passed away when I was young, but he was a gardener. And so he really inspired me to get outside. Um, but his thing that he always told us was be your best self. And I think that's some of the best advice anybody could ever give you. Yep. Well, I'm sure he is proud of you and what you're doing. So um, yes, I think he probably was one of those ones that might have thought I was a little crazy, but also loved it. <laughs> and maybe he helped shut some of those doors for you. <laughs> yes, I think you're probably right. <laughs> well, Amanda, what is um, a way that people can connect with you if they are wanting to learn more or reach out? Sure. So they can find us on Instagram at Grandview Beef. I try to stay on there every day and post. I love sharing our story. Um, and then we also have a website grandviewbeef.com so they can go there to learn more about our farm and also if you're in the midwest that's where you would find our beef items to purchase perfect so make sure to check that out if you guys are interested and i as always will have everything tagged in the description notes um, for this episode thank you so much amanda thank you ali thanks for tuning in to this episode of ag chicks don't forget to follow along on social media at AgChicks on Instagram and Facebook, and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the AgChicks channel.